Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Instant Classic Podcast. My name is Jay Sug. With me, as always, my man, and Marie Ogletree II. What up, Dre? My brother, what's good with you, baby? Doing all right. Let's jump right in. Let's talk about yo Los Angeles Lakers. They were yeah, in let's a, talk about uh, a battle last night with uh, the New York Knicks, and it was it, it was a crazy game. Um, I thought the the Knicks had blown them out early, but then the Lakers made a furious rally, um, and your boy didn't really get that much run in overtime. Um, what's your take on what went down last night? Well, why don't you go ahead and say your part first? All you right, know, so, I, I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. You, you just go right. do your thing. So my take is that your boy Russ gets an unfair uh, amount of the blame that's going on. Um, I was watching that game, and Anthony Davis was playing like a rich man's version of JaVale McGee. If, if he's not being tall man, he wasn't doing anything else. Like if he, he can get a oop to the basket, he can get a dunk over a smaller player, but he wasn't doing anything special. He wasn't doing what made Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? He was playing mm-hmm. like a souped up version of JaVale McGee. Um, so if his jumper ain't falling, he's just JaVale. He's a $40 million JaVale McGee. Um, but I did look up something after I saw that Russ was kind of getting the blame on the Twitter yesterday. And mm. I don't know if you saw these stats or not, or if you were going to mention these stats, but for Russ's career, um, he is shooting field goal percentage wise for, let's just say 44% from the field. Mm-hmm. And this year in LA, he is shooting the exact same percentage. Mm-hmm. From the three for his career, he's shooting 30%. In L.A., he's shooting 30%. Uh, Turnovers, which has been like a big thing for Russ. For his career, he averages 4.1 turnovers per per game. In L.A., he is averaging 4.1 turnovers per game. So I don't know what people are expecting. Russ is giving you exactly what he's giving you throughout his career. They wanted Russ. They got Russ. And now all of a sudden the rest that they got isn't what they wanted. I don't know if this is buyer's remorse or what the case is, but this, this is very reminiscent to what um, I felt was happening to Carmelo when he was with Houston, where everything that was going wrong was blamed on Carmelo. And that's when he was out the league for those like two, maybe like that year and a half mm-hmm. before he uh, picked up with Portland. I just don't like what's going on. I'm not a fan. I, I'm almost on the free Russ hashtag free Russ bandwagon right now. What's, what do you think? Give me a second. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Take your time. I, cause I, cause I really, cause I really want to, I really want to get my, my words together. Cause then I, I was actually, before we even connected, I was working on a solo segment about this very thing because as I was sitting there and I'm sure you were watching the game too, mm-hmm. but the Lakers were getting smacked. And they were, were down, what, 15, you know, 20 points at a half. Yeah. R.J. Barrett was getting his rocks off and everything else. Julius Randle was balling, too. And the whole time sitting there thinking to myself, wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, LeBron and A.D. on the court, too? Yeah. I mean, like, last time I checked, they were there, right? I'm yeah, not, they I'm were not making, there. I'm not, I'm not making that up, right? No. They were, they were there. 
I mean, the, the Lakers as a whole just you know, look pretty much pathetic. Yeah. I mean, to the point that I'll be real with you. I turned the game off. I honestly did. I, I turned it off. Because I was like, man, this 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 bad boy, like, it, it might be ugly. I, I decided, I started watching the ESPN app. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's get it in, man. Here it is. I said from Jump Street, before the NBA season even began, during the damn preseason, the moment this trade went down, anything that goes good, LeBron will get the credit, and anything that goes bad will be thrown on Russ. In my segment, I even sat here and said, when Russ's career is over, if there's one word that I could take to describe Russell Westbrook's entire career, it'd be scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Scapegoat. From OKC to Houston to Washington, and even though I knew this was going to happen and there was a possibility, I didn't know it was going to get this bad ink. I didn't know it was going to get this damn bad. Let's break it down real quick. You were just talking about the turnovers, right? Yeah. You know, one of the things that makes me sick about some of these, you know, shows, especially Undisputed, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, boy, if I, if me and Shannon Sharp, we, we will have words, man. Because that flip-flopping, you know, slurping LeBron, that's where he's going to get locked, y'all, that slurper he be doing. All this stuff, all this hate on Russ about his turnovers. Do we realize that Russ doesn't even lead the league in turnovers, but that's just the constant re- repeat? Mm-hmm. The constant thing. Russell's leading the league in turnovers again. No, he's not. In fact, he's fourth. I'm looking right at it. He's behind James Harden, Luka Doncic. He's behind Paul George, and Paul George is out. And tied with Trey Young before. Yeah. But it's more popular to say Russ is a turnover machine. Whatever. Okay. That doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all. Brother. When they booed him, I got so mad. But I I got so mad, I I almost wanted to throw my remote at the TV. I was like, really, L.A.? That's what we got into? But see, here's the thing. One thing you need to know about me, and I'm sure you know this, we go back 30 years. (laughs) I got no problem with you not agreeing with me. But at least let's be real about it. Be objective and most importantly, be factual, okay? Be factual. Who's been the most consistent player on the Lakers this entire season? Russ, because he's the only one that's been there this entire season. Thank you. LeBron's played, what, 36 games? I think Anthony Davis is like 32. Yeah. Something like that. I saw a stat that the big three together, they've only played 17 games, Inc. Out of 54. Yeah. That's well below 50%. 17 out of 54. That's barely 30. I'm going to go to a realm that I hate going to. But see, I'm going to use these people's defense and throw it right back in their face. Let me go analytical on you. And stay with me on this. All right. I, I just told you they're 10 and 7 in the 17 games they played together, right? Mm-hmm. So let's why, why, why don't we let's, let's let's play the hypothetical game. Let's say that LeBron and AD never got hurt, based on the ten and seven record, right? Let's play the law of averages here. They played 50, 50 what, fifty four, fifty eight games? I think it's fifty four. They got a twenty six and twenty eight. Yeah, fifty four. Yeah, fifty four. They played 50, 54 games. 
So if I take 17 and a 54, that's an average of three, at least. It's three and some change. So follow me on this. If LeBron, AD, and Russ have played all 54 games based on their 10 and 7 record right now, do you know what their record would be? What? It'd be 30, it'd be 30 and 21. That would put them around the 5 6 seed. And you remember this that we first started talking about the NBA coming into the season. What did I tell you? I don't need the one seed. I don't even want the two seed. I just need them somewhere between four and six. So that leaves me a remainder of three games. Like I said, they play 54. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay, let's take the remaining three games and throw them into the lost column. That would make them 30 and 24. That would legitimately make them the sixth seed. Right now, if AD and LeBron never got hurt, based on the average of what the big three is at 10 and 7. But then let me put that three wins, remaining wins into the win column. They beat a four seed. They beat a four mm-hmm. seed. Exactly what I expected them to be. Expecting LeBron AD to actually show up the entire season. Yeah. I wasn't expecting LeBron to go down for injury. God knows I wasn't. I was hoping AD wouldn't go down for injury. But you can always predict that AD, you know, Mr. Glass ass, is almost guaranteed for an injury. Yeah. That's almost just guaranteed. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting LeBron to get, you know, Kobe. I wasn't expecting LeBron to get a suspension, you know, due to the Detroit dust up. But Rush showed up. I expected that. So let's be real. <laughs> let's look at the supporting cast that they got. With Russ, when AD was out, when LeBron was out, who really was there to help out Russ? Who? Old Carmelo. And Carmelo's been balling this year. Yeah. But my point, but my point is, if the roles were reversed and say Russ was out and AD was out, and this was just LeBron, and this was LeBron losing, what would be the adage? LeBron doesn't have enough help. Exactly. LeBron doesn't have enough help. I heard this goes back to Cleveland days. And see, this one makes me sick when you know when people start playing favorites. Let's keep it a buck. We can sit here and talk about Russ's shooting. You just broke down the percentages. Russ is basically being Russ. He's being Russ. And the, the one guy. thing, and the one thing that I think what people miss out on when like you listen to some of these interviews, and you know, it bothers me sometimes because to me, sometimes LeBron's a little bit too too PC for me in some of these interviews when it comes to defending Russ. I know he means well, but sometimes I just wish he just step up and be like, look, y'all back off my boy. I got his back. I'm running with him. We're gonna figure this out. I'd love to hear that, but, you know, I said that, that's a subject for another day. But with all that being said, it wasn't that long ago when LeBron was out, AD was back. I watched Russell Westbrook bring the Lakers back against Charlotte, and they were down like 20-something in the fourth. Mm-hmm. I watched him bring them back. Wasn't nobody clowning him in. There wasn't no, no, then. All this negative BS I'm hearing about Russell. I didn't hear none of that. The Clippers game. Russ didn't shoot that great. But guess what? If Russ wasn't in that game, that wouldn't have been a game to begin with. Correct. They would have got blown out. And for the first time, to me, in Russ's career, what I'm seeing more than anything is that the noise is starting to get to him. And I tweeted it on my timeline directly to Russ. I mean, I don't know if he's seen it or not. But I said it. I was like, dude, Get out your head. Get out your head, man. You're thinking too much. It showed 
when Malik Monk threw him that three in the corner and he hesitated. Yep. And then the crowd goes, no. And I'm sitting there like, Russ, first of all, you know, LA, you just dirty. You dirty. But more importantly, I was like, dude, you're in your head. That's the worst thing you can do as a player. Get in your own head. I mean, it never happened to me very much when I played, but there were moments where it didn't. Or I got in my own head, and it just threw me off. Do I really want to shoot this? Like, when it's just not going your way. Like I said, you got <laughs> it's times like that where I just like, you know, I miss, I, I miss Kobe anyway. But I love what Kobe says. Like, look, make or miss, I'm still shooting. Yeah. I'm still shooting. Move on. And that more than anything, between the noise from the outside through some of these people who have no business talking basketball, like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And don't get me started with Frank Vogel and the substitution patterns. What the hell was that substitution when I saw DeAndre Jordan, Reeves, Avery Bradley, Russ, and who was the other one? I think it was Trevor Reeves on the court. Yeah. You're already, you're already down. So how do you expect to happen? You're losing. Yeah. But Who's going to score on that outside of Russ? And everybody won't overlook the fact that when the Lakers made that comeback, uh, Russ was on the court. But see, all anybody cares about is putting the ball in the bucket. That's why I, just, I have a hard time talking basketball to some people. Because like, if all you see is the basketball going in the bucket, that just shows me you have close to no basketball IQ. None. Not enough to rock with me. Yeah. Because it's more than just the ball getting in the basket. you got to look for the little things as well. And Russ has always done both, from the biggest thing to the little things. Like I said again, I've watched this man bring this team back without an AD, without a LeBron, where a game should have just been a blowout, and he made a game of it by himself. The most consistent player who shows up night in and night out, and this is the one we want to try at Crucify. Yeah. But you people are throwing in the face. They thought that those BS, you know, analytics, it one you no know, basically changed the narrative. I said, don't give me what he did in OKC after Durant left. Don't give me Houston. Don't give me Washington either. Because at what time during any of those experiences did anyone say that they were title contenders? Never heard it. Yeah. Oh, but what's the narrative? Oh, Russ destroyed that team. Oh, Russ failed there. With what? And let me go back and Frank Vogel. Last time I checked, when Russ had Paul George, who went on to get roasted by Joe Ingles, I mean, well done, no pink in the middle. Back when he was in Indiana, who was his coach? Yeah, that was uh, Frank Vogel back in. Thank you. How'd that turn out? Yeah. Last time I checked, he got fired. Why? He couldn't beat LeBron. So what's the next best thing that happened? Oh, wow, I get to coach LeBron. And LeBron got him a ring, didn't he? Yeah. And Anthony Davis played out of his mind for two weeks. Well, I'm just saying, though. I mean, I'm going to keep it strictly to Vogel, though. Don't sit up here and try to make it seem like Frank Vogel's some coaching genius. No, he's not. If if I'd have thrown Ty Lue in that spot, if I throw Jason Kidd in that spot, you tell me that I don't think the Lakers would have won anyway. But Frank Vogel, oh, we he needs more, he needs more, 
uh, rope. He needs to you know, be left alone. For what? Frank Vogel is basically Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. You fell in the right spot at the right time. And you bench Russ in overtime, and Russ is like, well, he didn't tell me he was going to bench me. You know what? Frank Vogel is just really, he's really starting to annoy me. It's a substitution. Now he's just, and now it's just, just a flat out disrespect. At one point, I get it. Because when you don't got it, you don't got it. I get that point. But at least have the respect for somebody of the caliber of Russell Westbrook to say it to his face. Don't just hit him with the okie doke. Yeah. Frank Vogel, and I've said this before, Frank Vogel didn't build the culture team like this. Like I said, he coached Paul George and a bunch of role players. And if you sit up here and tell me Paul George is a Hall of Famer, you can kiss my you-know-what. Yeah. In what lifetime? He was able to coach the Lakers that championship before because you had two superstars and a bunch of role guys. This is a whole nother monster he's messing with right now, and he's not built for it. But let me take it back to Russ. I will not make any excuses for the fact that Russ has been inconsistent when it's coming to shooting this season. But like you just said, he's been, if anything, he's been consistent about being inconsistent. That's who he is. The he has hot streaks. Is, he has cold streaks. The bottom line is I know Russ is going to come and compete. And I said this when we first touched on the fact going into the NBA season. Everybody tried to clamor about all Russ cares about is getting a triple-double. I said, are you, a, are you a damn fool? He got triple-doubles because he had no reason, but he had to. If he doesn't get those triple-doubles, his team don't even make the playoffs. Yeah. For the first time in almost a decade, he's back on a team that should be a contender. We have some real help. But everybody just wants to overlook that fact. Because it's Russell Westbrook. It's just easier to hate on. I said, this man has had good games here lately, but nobody wants to talk about it. Or excuse me, it's it's just luck. Man, kick rocks. Ooh, I swear. (laughs) I'll tell you, on my show, I I love you, brother. You know what I'm saying? I can't take you down that hole with me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it to you. But when I'm flying solo, believe me, I'm going to keep going even harder. The bottom line is, the bottom, the bottom line is like this. This Russ hate, it's just, it's just honestly ridiculous. There's no objectivity to it at all. At all. Where at the same time, the fact of the matter is, though Russ owns some blame, I can throw some blame at LeBron. I can throw some blame at AD. I can look at the whole Lakers from the coaching staff on down. You are where you are because of what y'all have done, period. Yeah. One man didn't just put you where you are right now. There's plenty of blame to go around. Stop trying to beat a dead horse. Be lazy. Trying to keep an old narrative that really has no fact to it. Put it on a guy who basically had no help since his early days in OKC. Let's be real. Oh, it makes me sick. I'm with you. And I think I mentioned this to you uh, off air last week, but I think he's playing different. Um, He's not playing as fast as he normally is. I think they told this man to, like, slow down. And Russ being quick, that's, you know, just having that full energy, that's who he is. Um, I don't understand because just the, the the few games that I've seen, he's not going as hard, like at least, you know, offensively, should I say, 
um, as he normally does. It's like they've told him to like slow it down, but that kind of neuters Russ. That doesn't that that takes away who he is. I'm not going to sit here and tell you wrong because I remember that conversation. I remember what I what I retorted to you. What I think it is is once again Russ is overthinking because he knows where he is. Playing with LeBron isn't like playing with KD. No. It's a completely different monster. Russ isn't a fool. He knows where he is. He knows who he's playing with. He's playing with a dude who arguably makes a strong argument to be the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Russ has seen what it's like, what the pub is like around LeBron from the outside looking in, and now he's there. And at the same time, he's trying to find his place of, okay, let me find where I fit in. Like I told you again, it's the first time in almost a decade where he finally has help, where I don't have to do the things I did in those other places because we didn't have as nearly as much, you know, as many pieces or talent around me as I where I am now. I got LeBron James. Like LeBron, this is your team. This is your show. I'm just here to help. I don't need to go get a triple-double. I mean, if I can, so be it. Russ just goes hard anyway. But the bottom line is, see, you're trying to find your rhythm. Like I said, this game gets so easy when you play with other great players that you know are can play the game like you do, who think like you do. It's easy. When I played with guys who were on my level, not just from a physical level, but intellectually playing basketball, Oh, my God, that made my life so easy. Only thing I asked of them is the same thing that I knew they asked of me. Just do your thing. Okay, if you're going to handle the scoring tonight, guess what? I got the rebound and the defense. Doesn't mean I can't score. I can still go and get my buckets in when I need to. But guess what? You handle it. And if you need me to, guess what? I can come in and do it if you need me to. If you're not feeling it that night, you feel in for me on some other stuff. Let's just find a rhythm. 17 games out of 54, and when there's really no consistency, there is no rhythm. There's no rhythm. Mm-hmm. And Russ is just trying to find his place. The one thing I saw last night in the return of LeBron, between last night and the previous games before, you notice how comfortable Russ looked? All you had to do was play with AD. Yeah, and even though he and even though he tried to keep getting AD the ball, when it was time, Russ was like, "Okay, my turn." Didn't stop trying to get AD the ball, but he's like, "Okay, Russ is like, okay, I got to step it up some more. It can't just always keep coming to you. Like, let me help you out." But now, when LeBron comes back in the mix, it changes everything. And I think, like I said, Russ overthinks it when all three of them are on the court. And like I said again, just go ahead and just play just play just go out there we know Russ is better on the break yep my thing is this is this when Russ is better on the break I just want to see AD and LeBron run with run. him just run with him LeBron like we know nobody you are runs in, with this dude LeBron we know you are in fantastic shape yeah granted you 37 whatever else like that again I don't I'm not getting to the whole age thing with LeBron. <clears throat> if we want to give this dude credit for what he's doing in year 19 or whatever else like that, where I had no reason, as I told you in our last episode, 
I've never had a reason, even though LeBron's gotten older, to sit back and think that this dude is really deteriorating, excuse me, outside the fact he's just gotten older. You saw that chip dunk, what, that just, what he did last night? Yeah. The bottom line is this man is still one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league still. Until I see otherwise with my own two eyes, I have no reason to expect LeBron James do anything but be LeBron James. Period. Yeah. I said, play off each other. The reason I wanted Russ to go to L.A. and play with LeBron, because I felt like LeBron was the one player with that impeccable basketball IQ who I felt and trusted could make it work. And I still want to. But right now, I said, we got to be objective here. We got to be, we got to keep it a buck. LeBron knows what he's done or has not done. AD knows what he has not done. It's not like y'all really been around. So for y'all to sit back and watch Russ, I really kind of took issue with what AD said in his post-game conference, talking about how he, you know, Russ needs to focus on the little things. But, you know, AD, you know, when he talks, I don't really take him all that seriously. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't take AD. Let's say again, though, AD. I, I love. I'm, I'm truly look forward to seeing what Anthony Davis becomes when LeBron leaves. Because if, if all you're going to give me is what you gave me when you were in New Orleans, then, then well, that that's all we need to say. That's all. That's I need exactly to say. what he's going to. Because that's the same thing he's giving you now. Pretty much. But I'm saying, but he has Russ too, and I believe that they could win more. But like I said, between the substitutions of Frank Vogel, just his entire strategy. Again, I don't get it. Of how he's trying to put stuff together. That Clipper game, when he had Stanley Johnson on Serge Ibaka and Ibaka was feasting, I'm sitting there like, why isn't Dwight Howard in the damn game? He was in the game before. Why don't you have him in now? I'm watching Ibaka feast on Stanley Johnson. Hey, all due respect, because hey, I was an undersized big man myself, and I'm 6'5". But fact is fact. Ibaka was Eating him alive. And Dwight Howard is sitting on the He hasn't had 20 Howard, points in the game in forever. And Dwight Howard is just sitting on the bench. Make that make sense to me, Frank Vogel. That don't got nothing to do with Russell Westbrook. No. I said, there's so many different elements that go into the entire situation of the Lakers. But I said, I, I told you from the beginning, and I'm going to fall on my sword. Russ will get one. At this point, I don't know if it's going to be the Lakers, man. I really wanted this to work out. And I mean, like you said, with that $47 million on the horizon, I mean, I don't see Russ necessarily going anywhere. Yeah. But I mean, with the whispers of LeBron might go somewhere else, and, and we really need to talk about that. Because LeBron goes somewhere else to chase the ring. I'm sorry, I'm deducting from that guilt debate. That's just me. Because if you become a ring chaser, LeBron, oh, I'm really coming for your head then. I just want to throw that out there. We'll take him in Chicago. <laughs> I'm sure you will. But the, the fact of the matter is, like I said again, it's not Russ's fault the Lakers find themselves where they are right now. It's not all on Russ. Yes, Russ holds some responsibility. But like I said, that goes for LeBron. That goes for AD. It sure as hell goes for Frank Vogel. And everybody else has anything to do with that team. Point yeah. blank. Front office for roster construction. But like I said, man, it just 
I said, if, if the contender isn't going to be the Lakers, man, then find them another one. Yeah. Because I, I truly believe is that Russ can win one. He just needs the proper help. But the, the help right now, like I said, I, I am not a fan of Frank Vogel right now. He's just not built to coach a team like this. Like I said, we, we saw what he was built for. He was built for a roster like Indiana where your best player was Paul George, not LeBron James. Yeah, his rotations. We we learned about Frank Vogel when Montrez Harrell was was riding the pine. Man, don't man, don't get me started on that. And now he goes to Washington, and that man is flourishing. But I mean, but he always, I mean, he flourished when he was with the Clippers. He did. So so what so what the hell went wrong with the Lakers? Frank, you Vogel. don't think the, you don't think the Lakers couldn't use Montrez Harrell right now? Yes. But he probably wouldn't oh. get any burn because of Frank Vogel didn't know what to do with that man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just, I mean, let's keep it real. If you're playing Stanley Johnson, why did you get rid of Montrezl Harrell? And I don't mean that as a shot at Stanley Johnson. Correct. But if you're playing Stanley Johnson, why the hell did you get rid of Montrezl Harrell? Because these Montrezl Harrell's proven. I mean, don't get me wrong. Stanley's been balling a little. He's been balling a bit. He earned that contract for the rest of the season. He did. But Montrezl Harrell's better. Former six man of the year. Without having getting any plays called for that man. Just off Frank of all Vogel. energy. And imagine him with Russ. Frank Vogel kiss my you know what too. Just it just don't make no sense. But like I said again, the Lakers will make the playoffs. I know I keep saying this every time we speak about the Lakers, but I swear I just need consistency and chemistry, damn it, to get to the playoffs. And find your rhythm. But right now, more than anything, I need Russ to get out of his own head. Yeah. I, I just need you to go ahead and just, and just do you, Russ. Like everybody's been telling you, go out there and do you, but you're smart enough to know what that means. Just go ahead and play your game. Play your game. You know that. You know how to get assists. You know how to get rebounds. You know how to score. <laughs> but again, it's just like, just because you don't shoot at the percentage like a lot of the others, and let's be 100. Malik Monk is inconsistent too. It kills me though. This dude can go cold. Nobody says a word, but when he's hot, y'all act like he's been shooting over 50 percent the entire season. There's a reason why the Charlotte Hornets didn't keep that man. Like, exactly. don't you think that they want somebody who can who can put up buckets like that? <laughs> you thank you. I said, but these are the things that nobody wants to sit on. And like I said, Malik Monk had a monster game. But just like I said, there and talked about that Charlotte game or even the, even the Clipper game. Where was Malik Monk then? I could have used him. Yeah. Malik Monk can get you anywhere from four to 30, depending on the game. And that's super frustrating because when you need that 30, is the day he's going to give you that four. But it's so easy. Like I said, the old narrative. Because of all the things that Russ went through. But see, the people don't want to talk about Russ's history. With the, with the clarity and the objectivity it deserves. Just because this dude didn't get to a finals without KD, he never got out of the first round without KD until he went to Houston. But, I mean, let's look at it with a magnifying glass. You look at the details. Who would have? But I'm sorry. People like LeBron get a pass. If I throw LeBron in that seat, LeBron doesn't have enough help. But in Russ's case, oh, it's Russ's fault. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. I, say, I, I swear, if Russ, 
I believe Russ will get one. I truly do. If it's not with the Lakers, I hope he gets sent to another contender. <laughs> but I'll put it to you this way. I would not blame Russ if he got one and retired. Yeah. I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him. And then I was seeing, like, the hate they have for him for him saying that, like, winning the championship isn't the most important thing in his life. Like, of course it's not. Like, your family. Well, I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, true, of course. But here's the thing, though. I never believe that either. I, I don't believe that. I think Rush just said it because, again, he just didn't want to deal with all the chatter. Like I told you, the, the media – this season, more than any other year that Russ has been in the league, I think it's finally got to him. And I think it's mainly because this is the first time, like I said, in almost a decade, that he's been on a contender with his real expectations. I won't even say that. This is the LeBron microscope. Even playing with KD, That's, you don't get this microscope. Well, that's what I'm saying. That that too. So I said, so when he said it, you know, like I, said, I just took it with a grain of salt. Like, okay, Russ. I'm just saying that's, that's basically your, your way of just trying to say, let's just get off the subject. Because had he said, of course, or actually talked about, yeah, I really want to get a ring, well, guess what is going to happen? If he doesn't get it, he's just going to be more piling on me anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. As like I said at the beginning, of, when we talked about going to come to the NBA season, the bottom line was anything that goes good, credit goes to LeBron. Anything negative goes to Russ. Yeah. I saw, I said, I saw this coming, but I just – I just didn't expect it to be this bad. This this is just kind of ridiculous. I say if I if I was Russ, my thing is this. I'm I, honestly I know you're from LA, but for all this kind of hate, and I know LA has some phonies out here for sure. There's some real ones, but LA is known for a lot of phonies. If I was Russ, seeing how like there are a lot of these bandwagon fans, oh man, look. At this point, it's gonna, it's gonna be a mil, it's gonna be a stone cold Steve Austin middle finger to everybody. Like let's just go. Let's let's ball. Yeah. Let's ball. I said, I'm not even thinking about y'all no more. Cause I see I see how y'all doing me. I said, I see how y'all doing me. Like, okay, I got you. I got you. But I said again, because I said cause all, all these like I know Laker fans are passionate, but y'all not being realistic right now. This dude has been the only one who's shown up the entire season. Yeah. And y'all can't even appreciate 100%. that. Y'all can't even appreciate that. But I said, God knows I do. I said that's why though Russ is still to this day. He's he's my favorite player in the league right now. He, he will be till he retires. But like I said, right now, this, like I said, this is just like I said, man, it, it's a mother. As I say, and like you say, it's just the, the LeBron effect. It's just what happens. Yeah. LeBron know, has constantly always diminished at least one of his teammates. Chris Bosch was a 20 and 10 scorer, and then he got a hold of LeBron and he went to like 15 and 9. Oh well, yeah, but I mean, well, it wasn't just a LeBron effect. I mean, he also playing with D Wade. Yeah, but LeBron always takes D Wade. Still got his numbers. Well, because it was D Wade's team. <laughs> Until like LeBron was like, "All right, enough of that." And it, well, I mean, because the, well, the I mean, repeat well, became well, he, it was all it was LeBron's team when they started winning championships. Well, D Wade said, "I gave, I basically gave him the keys to the kingdom." Yeah, and I said, "But that's and see, therein lies the difference, though." LeBron's not giving the keys to the kingdom to nobody. I mean, I guess you could say he tried to give it to AD, but you saw what happened. <laughs> AD gave him back. <laughs> well, now you saw what you do. You ain't fit to hold these. 
Yeah. yeah it's I mean, it's supposed to be Anthony Davis and, you know, pulling the heavy the heavy lifting into the playoffs. Right, exactly. And then LeBron can kind of take over from there. But And I don't know and I don't know if LeBron's going to sit and just look at Russ and be like, "Well, I know that you're willing to hold him. I know you're willing, you're willing to take these keys." But I just don't think LeBron's willing to give them to him. Yeah, I agree. And I think he should. If they if they even want to have a chance in the playoffs, LeBron can't be doing what he's doing every night because he ain't going to have nothing left when the playoffs hit. Like, every night can't be a dogfight. I don't want to hear that. My thing is, like I said, we're going to keep giving this dude all the praise and glory for all he's doing. And I say, deservedly so. He's balling. Heavy's the head that wears the crown. This is where I see, this is where I side with you with the whole MJ thing. Now, great. From a mental toughness standpoint, LeBron is not in MJ's league at all. He ain't no close. Way. Two different dudes. But it was one of the things what I loved about MJ. You ain't never heard MJ complain about the load. No. Well, he from loved the first the championship, from the first championship to the last championship, that man just accepted the burden that came with being him. Yeah. Period. And for me, that's where I look at LeBron. They're like, dude, you are who you are. Period. So do you. Yeah. LeBron doesn't have to make up for that. Or otherwise, just step out the way and I say, and let somebody else just be the face of this league. You can, I said, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But it's so easy because this dude knows he gets passes when certain things don't go his way. Yeah. LeBron doesn't have enough help. And like I said again, it. I, I dare LeBron to go to another team to chase a championship. I dare it. Oh, you oh I'm, I'm deducting so much. You have you have no idea. He he will he will stay in that four spot on my GOAT list. He he will not move up. He comes from Chicago, he, man. He'll be a strong number two. Come on to Chicago. Whatever, man. I'll almost sit there and say it's like, all right, dude, you you're you're your official ring chaser. Now it's different for Russ. I said Russ finally coming to a contender is different than what LeBron did. I said I gave I'll give LeBron when he left Cleveland the first time. He did need some help. I get that. So he went to Miami. Okay, yeah. two and four. But then you abandoned ship because you saw D Wade was breaking down. And then unfortunately, what happened to Chris Bosh went down. But let's be real. Did he really have to leave Miami? He didn't have to leave. Nope. They would have retooled around him. But then he went back to Cleveland because he said, I want to win one for my hometown. Okay, you get another pass. I get that. You know, you you from Ohio, the Cleveland, the Cleveland area. No shout out to Akron. You want to win one for your hometown? I can respect that. You did that. And then you went down the three other times. But then you decide to bounce. Like, okay, I kept my promise. I brought a title home. I get it. Now you came to the Lakers. Okay, you're on the down, on the well, what I felt is the downside of your career. I feel you, LeBron's still going to retire, at least in, I say, what, two years? Yeah. I think I said two, two no more than three. You come to the Lakers. Okay. Well, really, what else do you have to play for now besides rings, right? Mm-hmm. You're LeBron James. Why are you ring chasing? People should be coming chasing to play with you. You got one. And I mean, anybody can sit there and throw their you know, opinions on it. You know, I was in the bubble during COVID, whatever. They won one. You got your one. At this point, what else is there to do, LeBron? 
go go ahead and break Kareem's record. Go and get all those you know, statistical records and everything else. But you leave again? This is going to catch a ring? Oh, no, I'm... No, no, no. Not me. No, sir. There's no, no more passes this time. Those were three passes I just gave you. And no way, I'm not giving you four. I'm not giving you four. <laughs> I said, but, but Russ will get one. I said, it, this, this, is, this is all going to be just great, great material for the DVD, which I will buy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like rest the triple double king. Oh, no, I was talking about the Lakers championship DVD. Oh, what well, like it, it, I mean, you assume it rest gonna be on, on the Lakers when he get his one. I'm still running with the Lakers this year. So I'm telling you, I I I'm I, I, I I'm going down with the ship, man. Yeah, man. I, I, was, I, I said, I got those. I, I personally, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. But man, like, just I'm going looking, down the ship. looking I'm going at down Golden ship. State and, and looking at Phoenix. I understand. I understand. Look, looking at Memphis, like, man, there's levels to this, and the Lakers about I, three levels under right now. I understand. That's good, but that's why I need consistency and chemistry to build. It's there. I just need to build. It's there. Can you hear Zeke? Yeah, a little bit, but he's cool. No, because I, I was trying to have, I, I thought I put on noise cancel it, but I got him spark because I got him so close to me. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm going down with the ship. I'm going down with the ship, Chief. I'm going down with the ship. All right. So let's let's jump on to our next topic, and that is all-star weekend which is rapidly approaching um the all-star rosters were just announced um how did you feel about the rosters and were there any omissions who you felt should have made the team no i mean i was honestly i was perfectly fine with the roster you know it kind of made me laugh i saw a comparison between andrew wiggins and russell westbrook Mm -hmm. i'm not saying russ deserved to make the all-star team but I just want to be known that Russell has better stats than Andrew Wiggins. I'm just saying. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's a starter, but I don't feel like he should even be on the team. Um, he, is he having uh, his best year? Yeah, but that don't still make you an All Star. Like his numbers still aren't to me like All Star worthy. Um, there were much better people who I felt like could have been named to that team over uh, Andrew Wiggins. And I forget, it was somebody on the East who I felt, I thought LaMelo Ball should have been on the team. Yeah. Um, because Charlotte deserved uh, a pick. Um, and I thought, yeah, man, the Cavs got one. They got they got Garland. Let me see who was on mm-hmm. that, that East team real quick. Eastern All-Stars. But I was very excited to see my man. I mean, it was no doubt. And I felt that he should have been a starter, but Zach Levine being on the squad. Yeah, really, it was uh, – I didn't think that Trey Young should be a starter on the All-Star team. I mean, the Hawks are having a poo-poo season so far. And, you know, we reward winning in All-Stars. That was always the, the trope when the Bulls didn't get nobody in. Like, no, they have – it doesn't matter that Zach Levine is averaging 25 points per game. The Bulls only have, you know – 20 wins. He can't be an all-star. 
But now all of a sudden it's Trey Young, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, but but we have to but we have to look at it. I mean, because because I, I I don't. I, I only take it so serious because we know how the All Star was the starting lineup works. It's, it's a popularity contest. It's it's about it's about popularity. Yeah, you know. So I mean, Trey Trey Young is popular. I mean, he's well liked. So I mean, you, I mean, your your logic's not wrong in terms of what you're thinking. But I mean, but look at the look at the uh, you know the circumstances as to how he got it. He's just a popular player. So it'd be different. I mean, it's, it'd be different, like you know, if it was like with the reserves, because the coaches picked the reserves. Yeah. So that's more. That's more so based off performance, you know. So I'm with you 100. percent And like I said, Lamelo definitely deserved to be on there. I was yeah. surprised that he didn't. I was surprised, but I also <laughs> felt that Fred Van Vliet also deserved to be on there too. Um, and that's what I'm saying. So he, I wouldn't have taken him off for Fred Van Vliet. James Harden was kind of like a eh. Does does Brooklyn deserve to with the season they've had? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, well, I mean, Harden got off to a slow start, but I mean, I think because of the time that he had leading up to the All Star game, and he started balling. That you know didn't surprise me that he made it. And yeah. plus, like I said, I mean, I think the I think the deciding factor was the, the fact that Brooklyn's above Charlotte. So I mean, you know that he played a factor. So of course you're gonna put him in there. Yeah, I was I was surprised that. Jason Tatum made it over Jalen Brown. I mean, Jason Tatum has been balling this year, but Jalen Brown has like stepped his game up. So I, I knew there was going to be one Celtic. I just thought it would have been Jalen Brown this year. Well, but Jalen Brown's been absent. That's the thing. I say it'd be different if Jalen Brown has been around like Tatum's been around. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I mean, it'd be it'd be a, a totally different, you know, a whole totally different thing. You might be right. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one thing that did kind of bother me, but again, I, I, I had to let it go. <clears throat> Basically, again, off the circumstances, Jimmy Butler being a reserve bothered me. Yeah, but if, he, if, was, he wasn't going to get in over DeMar, and I told you, I felt that uh, Zach Levine should have been the other guard. And one, DeMar shouldn't have even been a guard. He's been playing the small forward all year. Why is he missing uh, well, in the in, well, in the, in the With all due court? respect, with all due respect, I would have gave my vote to Jimmy over DeMar, just to keep it real. The only reason, I mean, I respect DeMar, and he deserves being MVP consideration. But I think Jimmy does, too. And I think if it wasn't for the fact, the only reason I think DeMar got the tip is, again, because the Bulls have been more or less irrelevant for a while, and the Heat have been around more so. So I think it was easier to put DeMar over Jimmy. But I'm just saying, first, I think Jimmy should have been a starter. Jimmy missed so much early in the season. I just, I mean... That's fair. That's fair. That's why that's I fair. wouldn't have had Jimmy starting. Jimmy coming off the bench, I felt was that's a, that's, that's a good point. Right. That's a good point. That's that's a good point. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I, I'm with you there. But, uh, was, but otherwise, it wasn't even COVID related. It was just he was just out. <laughs> I said, but uh, overall, I said I, I had no problem with the Eastern squad. I mean, Lamelo could have been there, but I mean, but based off you know who's on there right now, it's just like. Eh. You know, it's not necessarily I, like it wasn't like hands down or he should have been on over this guy. It's like, no, nah, I can't say that. And then I don't know who they're going to pick to replace Kevin Durant since he can't play. Um, I would say maybe LaMelo, but they ain't got no yeah. big people, man. Like the East was literally like all guards and small forwards outside, I mean, of, I mean, outside of Joel Embiid. 
it's the all-star game. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, you know I mean? At this point, it's pretty much a pickup game. So, yeah, you can just throw LaMelo in. It's not like, you know, the cast is going to be really banging like that anyway. All you really need is Giannis and Joel. You'll be jo- good to go. Joel going to be banging. Um, earlier today, the Bulls and the Sixers played. And if the Bulls had won, um, then Billy Donovan would have been coaching the East. And if the Bulls lost, it would go to Eric Spolstra because the Bulls and the Heat are like every loss, it goes up a half game. Somebody goes a half game mm-hmm. ahead. Um, and they battle. The Bulls are like so shorthanded right now. Zach Levine is out with like some back spasms. Um, somebody, a Kobe White was out with like a calf injury of some sort. So they had like, so not only was the Bulls starting starting point guard and backup point guard out, but the Bulls starting shooting guard and backup shooting guard were also out. Um, but uh, DeMar DeRozan had 45. He was going toe-to-toe with Joel and B, who had 40-something. But it was the others, man. Like, Danny Green decided to show up and actually hit some shots today for Philly. And I'm like, man, Danny Green, I ain't seen you make a shot <laughs> in like two weeks, man. Now all of a sudden, you want to come in and get hot? <laughs> that's, what, that's what he does, though. No, like, was it Danny Streaky? Danny, Danny streaky, 0 for 12 Green, and I love Danny Green, man. That's my dude. But man, he picked the wrong day to get hot. Hey, that's like, I mean, that's but that's why he keeps getting signed. Though. I mean, Danny Green, like you, he'll go. Through, he's like almost like Malik Monk in a way. Yeah, he's Malik Monk. Yeah. better be. Yeah, like I said when he's on, he's on. But when he's off, he's off. But like I said you. He's on enough times and he does it enough times where it's just like, you know what? Hey, we got to take our chances. You know, if, if he happens to be off, you know, I'll live with it because I know that if he gets on, hey, this dude's going to give us buckets. See, and I said this uh, to my cousin some years ago. Um, Danny Green is his his floor is bum, right? Like he could just be useless. His floor is bum. But his ceiling is Clay Thompson, and it could be the, in any game. Mm. Like, no, mm. where he when he get hot, mm. really? he gets because he, he plays D. But when he get hot, he don't need to take any dribbles. He can just pull from anywhere. That's what, and I'm not saying every game. Like he can do this per season. I'm saying like any given game, he can get you bum or he can get you Clay Thompson. But he'll always get you D no matter what. No, when you say Clay Thompson, you just mean by shooting. Wise, by shooting, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, does like that, stroke, mind. like he can just hit the hit the three without having to move. You know, just like no dribbles, just like you know, one dribble pull. Right from all sorts of range. Clay Thompson is an overall better NBA player, but um, and I will say their defense is pretty similar. He plays. Danny Green is a two way player. That's what keeps him on the court. That's what got him on the floor to begin with was his defense, and the fact that he was hitting jumpers was always a plus. And he worked himself into a serviceable three-point shooter, but he's still streaky as hell. Okay, I'll give I'll give you that. I'll give that. Say if we're just pertaining it to like in terms of shooting and what he does on the defensive side of the ball, I'll give I'll give you Clay. I, I was to say if you were talking like overall potential as in terms no, of like no 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 player, is... player player he was like oh no 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 Danny can't be Clay this like Clay. for like a five minute stretch. In like a random fourth quarter, Danny Green can put on Clay Thompson's jersey. But once that five minutes is over, or he goes sit down. Clay Thompson ain't come back in the game no more. It's over. <laughs> it's like that random player in like two K that would get hot. <laughs> it's 
it like oh, just kind of torture you, but when you go sit down, it's over. Oh, shoot. We'll talk about that off, off the air. <laughs> All right. And you got the takes on the All-Star on the All-Star uh, roster for you? Uh, on the on the West side, uh, I'm not sure. We didn't really touch oh, on it too much. West. Yeah, you're right. Uh, on the West side, I mean, to me, I think they got it perfectly. Yeah, to me, outside of Andrew Wiggins. I, oh, yeah, you know, Rudy Gobert, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, Only one person from Utah Jazz should have made that squad. They ain't, they, they're not good enough to have two people on the team. Well, I mean, well, you got to think about it. I mean, Rudy Gobert, I mean, what you were just saying about the East or how they need, you know, big, big men. I mean, I think that's the only reason that he did make it. Because otherwise, I mean, think about it. What other big men do they have? Well, they got Carlton Three Towns. And the Joker. <laughs> right. But, I mean, but you at least need three. So, I mean, you know, Rudy, one of the top, always know, a consistent you know, candidate for defensive player of the year. So, I'm not surprised. And you, and you know what I'm saying? Utah's been balling this year. So, yeah, again, I, if you if you take if you take Rudy off, who would you replace him with? DeAndre Ayton. Phoenix been good enough to get three. Yeah, yeah I mean, I could have been, yeah. I, I could have probably did. I could have probably gone with DeAndre Ayton. Cause I mean, if, if, Golden, if Golden State can get three, if Andrew Wiggins can make it, then why can't DeAndre DeAndre Ayton make it? Well, so on one side, Andrew Wiggins, for for his credit, by by his standard, has been balling. I mean, Golden State has been a good uh, fit for him. But I think I also heard the fact that because he had like somebody like a fan of his who has a huge uh, Instagram following or whatever else like that, that's what basically got him to the starting lineup. That's what I heard. Mm. You know, that, that's what it basically came down to. And plus, you know, he's one of Canada's own. So, you know, Canada going to support their own. Oh, so this dude basically had a whole other country for himself. It's like Yao Ming back in the day. Yeah, true, true. All right, let's not let's not repeat this, Canada. Don't make don't make the same mistake next year. <laughs> uh, this, this is this is Andrew's year. I think he was going to enjoy this one. Like I said, I, I need to see consistency though. Uh, so I need to see if he does it again next year. I mean, he's right like now, the fourth I'll, option, I'll man. Like he he's he he's in a good fit, especially now that Clay back. Like. There's like zero pressure on this man. But, but that's what I told you. That goes back to my point of like, you know, how easy this game becomes when you play with other great players. Like, again, Andrew Wiggins has no real expectations. Kind of how I feel about uh, about your boy Ball with your with your Bulls. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, he's balling for y'all. I mean, sorry he's hurt right now, but the fact he's balling for y'all. You know why? There's no real expectations. He can just go out there and ball out. You got Zach Levine, you got DeMar DeRozan, you got Vucevic. Then you can go ball in there. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so, oh, those guys are stars. Go ahead. I'm just going to do my thing. You know, I'll, I still get some press, too. <laughs> Reminds me when I played with my uh, old teammate at John Lou Gaines, the National Player of the Year in Division II basketball for my sophomore year. You know, Moo go out there. You know, he drop his, you know, 30, 40-something points. You know, but a little paragraph under it. You know, Emory Ogletree II had – 15 points and 16 rebounds. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm still here to do my thing. Like, go ahead, boo, do you? But I'm still doing my thing, too. So they, they, they pay attention to you. They're not worried about me. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's jump into our last topic. And that is the, the lawsuit of Brian Flores against the NFL. Um, me, personally, I think this is exactly what was needed. The NFL only make change when it affects the bottom line. 
This is how the Rooney Rule even got to begin with because Johnny Cochran sued the NFL. Um, unless you're messing with their money, they don't care. Like, there will be no change unless money is affected. Then all of a sudden, they're going to be like, you know what, rewrite. And then, like, how when the lawsuit came out, they were saying, like, these were, you know, baseless claims done, made without merit. And then, like, three days later, after he made the rounds, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, do a you know an investigation and take a look into this. Of course you are, but these were without merit just a couple of days ago. So which is it? Either he's valid or you know y'all full of it. What'd you think about the lawsuit? I'm mad at myself for not touching base with you. Maybe you saw. It. Did you see speak for yourself all at all last week? No. I. And I'm kicking myself because I wonder and I believe your view would be different if you had watched it. Because for one, speak for yourself, Marcellus Wally and Emmanuel Watcho, man. They're like they're to me, they're they're like basically the, the, the best show on TV right now. But listen to Marcellus Wiley. I didn't agree with everything he said. But some of his points that he made really made me think, and I understood what he was saying. Now, first things first, I agree. The bottom line is that there are some things that need to be changed in the NFL. I get that. Especially when it comes to the hiring of Black coaches in the NFL. I mean, we all know the history about it. I mean, there are eight NFL teams that never had a Black NFL coach in its 100-year history. It's like, seriously, not even one? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I listened to Marcellus. And this, let me share some of the stuff I heard him say. Marcellus Wiley sat here and said, that his opinion, I said, this is his, not mine. That first of all, he says he doesn't believe in equality, which didn't really make sense to me, but where, where he went with it, I knew what he was trying to say or what he was saying. <clears throat> He's like, show me where equality exists. He's like, with these owners, they own their team. And based off most things, like anybody who owns a business, you surround people, you surround yourself with people that you are comfortable and familiar with. Now, most of these cases, when it comes to the NFL, these older white men, the exception of the one owner who's down there in uh, Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm. These are older white men who were who grew up, obviously, through the civil rights era. And we know how things were back then. I mean, obviously, we weren't alive, but based on the history, we know. Black people were seen as less than even being people. So, I mean, there was a time where, you no, know, there weren't even any Black people in the NFL. You know, so based off all this history that, you know, has gone through, he said it shouldn't be surprising that these older white men basically run their organizations the way they do when they also have the right to do what they want to do with it because they own it. Like, I, I can't come to James Sugg house and basically just start, you know, taking stuff down. I mean, you might, you and I might be the best of friends, but still your house. Mm-hmm. I have to respect it and vice versa. You know, you're more than welcome to my house. You're my brother. I love you. But at the end of the day, you got to come and respect my house. Okay. And, and with what he said, you know, starting with the first things first, he went into it by saying that when he got fired by Ross, it was based off his race, right? He brought up a great point. He's like, 
you know who the GM of the Miami Dolphins are is Chris Greer. Mm-hmm. He's a brother. He's black. And it's well documented that Greer and Flores did not see eye to eye. They didn't. And Marcellus says that he believes that when running an organization, there are two things that go into it, relationship and merit. Now, obviously, both Greer and Flores work for the uh, owner of the Miami Dolphins, Ross. But you would see from the outside looking in that Greer had a better relationship with Ross than he did with Flores. No, that's not necessarily Flores' fault, but that's just the fact. Mm-hmm. When you're a person who's in a position of power, and if you have a better relationship with someone else than another person, and you have the authority to remove said other person that you don't have as good a relationship with, that's your right. You can do that. He sat there, Flores accused Ross of offering him $100,000 a game to lose, telling him to go on vacation. Like while he said, he's like, well, where, where are the receipts? Where's the proof? Because right now it's just basically a he said, he said. And in the court of law, it's about what you can prove. And if there's no proof that this conversation ever happened, then, well, that's a, that's a strike right there against Brian, unfortunately. But, I mean, it is what it is. That's true. You can't prove it. I like to think he'd have no reason to lie, but since he can't prove it, we got thrown out the window. Next thing we go is that text from Bill Belichick, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just, I mean, to me, if anything, I feel bad. I actually feel bad for Bill Belichick in a way because he didn't necessarily mean for anything to happen. It's just that, you know, he made a mistake. And then this one, Flores accused the Giants basically of already having made a decision to hire, uh, I guess, the other, uh, I guess his name was his name, Bill? Was it that was, guy's name Brian, too? Yeah, he was Brian, too. Yeah, another Brian. Well, long story short, I saw the text chain. Coach Belichick apologized because, you know, I guess he got his, you know, wires crossed, you know? He got his wires crossed. Now, Marcellus goes on to say this. Bill Belichick like the Giants even said, doesn't work for the New York Giants. So regardless of what Belichick may have heard, what he may even know, he's not a representative of the Giants. So whatever Flores took from it, and even and why he even said this, like, you know, when, you, when we're emotional, you know, a lot of times we don't think rationally. We just follow the emotion. Well, you want to sit there and accuse the Giants of being racist, but how can you, how can you prove it? See, you know, that's like where I, said, I disagree. Well, I mean, but here, let me finish because Flores went through. I mean, Flores went through his interview mm-hmm. with the Giants. He went to the interview. Now the Giants are sitting here saying that we hadn't made our decision yet. How can Flores prove? that the Giants had, already, had made their decision by that time. Based on a text from Bill Belichick who has nothing to do with the team? 
There's no proof. So yeah, once again, you're, you're once again you're talking about you know what you heard. See, proof can be in that. There you can find your proof because um, Bill Belichick. It's one of those like, hey, my boy who work at that company just let me know they ain't hiring no more. You but, can find that. But I mean, but, Bill but Belichick I mean, but is one of the most respected coaches in the league. He knows people. Like his former staff was all over the place. I get that, but I mean, but here's the thing though: if it's just word of mouth, all it takes is the other dude to say, "I never said that." If it was over the phone. And then Florida still has nothing mm-hmm. because all, all it will take is for that rep from the Giants to say, that's not what I said. Or Bill must have misinterpreted what I was telling him. I said, there's nothing concrete enough to support Florence's, you know, argument to that that's what happened to him. It's it's gonna be I I'm almost can guarantee it's gonna be email just like with the whole uh like um Washington football team situation and kind of like with Kaepernick when they hit the discovery phase and like kind of pull some records this is when the NFL is gonna try to settle because they do not want their correspondences coming to light because that's when we find out that they were in the wrong and if that's the case then that would definitely be the kind of strongest case. In Flores's defense, like I just told you in the, in the first one, uh, the one previously been talking about the text from Belichick, you know, the accusations he made against Ross, talking about he offered him that money. There's no proof of that. That there's no said there's no receipts, and then finally there's your boy John Elway. He accused him of coming to the meeting, you no know, drunk, and once again, where's the proof? I mean, how, how can you prove that somebody else was drunk? Because we heard what Elway said. He's like, what he saw was basically me being tired just from the night before. Well, we're all allowed to be tired. But you want to say he was drunk. The bottom line is that there's only two, three people in that room mm-hmm. who saw anything. So once again, no receipts. No, no receipts that would basically help support his claim. So I mean, it's just like I, 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 I believe me. I'm, I know the way I'm talking right now might sound like I'm not cheering for Brian Flores. I most certainly am, but I'm just, you know, after listening to Wiley, it just, you know, it's kind of damping my spirits because it's like, damn, you know, because like, where is the proof? Now, if anything that hopefully comes from this. If it just you no know, intensifies the light on a situation that we were already aware of, the fact that black coaches are still needed in the NFL at the head coaching position, great. Although in terms of the rate, Wiley said this too, in terms of the rate at which uh, coaches are rehired, black coaches are actually rehired at a higher rate than white coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm, because there's only been but, eight that have been rehired. Only yeah, but eight I mean, black coaches. Totally. I, no, but I'm just saying, but just he's based off the percentage. I say I'm going analytical on you again, based off the percentages. But see, but that's where I go with Emmanuel Acho though. Now on Acho's side, he was saying basically, how can how can we basically change or you no know, improve a situation when we were basically already thrown behind the eight ball to begin with? 
Remember at one time, they didn't even allow black coaches in the NFL. The NFL has been around for 100 years. Mm-hmm. So we have to consider the times in the history of this league from start to present. So when you're basically you know, putting a certain minority, whether it be black or you know Hispanic, whatever, in certain positions where you weren't given the opportunities to be head coaches, that can't be overlooked because history for itself shows where we were. It wasn't always equal. It wasn't always equal. Now, granted, now as times did change, because like I said it's the thing with Wiley, Wiley said, well, I don't get because it's like he's like, you know, he doesn't believe in equality. I'm like, well, if you don't believe in equality, just look at yourself. You wouldn't be on this TV show if there wasn't equality. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole that's a whole nother, you know, subject. But you know, with, with Acho, I really like that point he brought up because it's like, you know, when you put us in positions where it was already hard for us to get through the door in the first place, you know, where we are right now in 2022, trying to, you know, basically be a more progressive society, at least, you know, based on what this country claims to be. And things are better. I mean, we got it better than our parents had, who better who had it better than their parents had, and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, in between time, to me, this comes down to the fact of when, when will the NFL circle? The NFL is a private-owned organization. I said these men own their teams. Like they. It's really kind of hard to tell somebody what to do with stuff that they own. You'd wish that they'd be a little bit more open-minded. I said, because there are eight teams that never had a black coach. But to me, it's almost to the point where I almost feel like we, you know, outside of the Flores situation with the lawsuit, which I still hope something does come from it, we almost, dare I say, have to wait out the old guard. Dare I say, we, we, we basically don't have to hopefully wait out these owners to the point that when they're dead, and depending on who replaces them, whether it be their children or grandchildren, hopefully somebody more progressive will come in line. And then hopefully the opportunities will change. Listen, long, 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 long story short, I'm with Brian Flores deserves to be a coach. Yeah. He deserves to, he deserves to be a coach. The circumstances he got fired under were pretty messed up. But <clears throat> the downside of it all is, again, that's just – I hate to say it, that's the business. I think really all he's asking for is to be able to fail at the same rate as his white counterparts. And that, and that is fair. That that is fair. But because I mean, any like if if a white dude had the exact same, he wouldn't have been fired. That's great. I mean, but that's based off what we've seen. I'm not disagreeing with you. You are absolutely right. But that goes back to that merit and relationship point. I mean, think about it. How many coaches and owners always agree? It's Hell, true. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft don't always agree. But you know what? Bill Belichick got Super Bowls, plural, to the point where Robert Kraft, even though he may not like Bill Belichick all that much, this man's made me a lot richer. To me, I this see man. him getting the boot when I heard about the the one hundred. You know, like, hey, like lose these games, I'll give you hundred thousand. <laughs> That's why they don't get a read. That's why they don't get along. You ain't do what we asked you to do. Like, y'all balled out the end of the season. We wanted a good draft pick. But, but, now we but, blew the same, road. But, but at the same time, though, I mean, that came also from the general manager first. 
I said that, that was between two. I said uh, an argument between two black men. So you can't you can't necessarily look at Ross as a racist. Like I said, it goes back to that but, merit, that, merit, that merit and relationship point. If Ross gets along better with the GM than he does get along with the coach, and he just basically said, "Well, I can always find another coach." But you know, since you and I are cooler, I can keep you around. I mean, it's shady, but the bottom line is that's his right. He owns it. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's and that's why I say that's where like the business portion comes in, where I, you know you hate it, but at the same time, if you're being objective, and I'm saying you're just gonna be real about it, it sucks, but it is what it is. Hell, I, I if I think about it, that's what I went through with the Alley Cats. You know that. Mm-hmm. Everything I went through, I went from being a practice player to a starter. Worked my ass off. Injured my finger. We go to the playoffs, we lose. Owner came in my room after the playoff game, guaranteed me a brand new contract, more money, and everything. And right before the ne- beginning of the next season, pulled the okie doke on me and said, I never said it. And what could I do? Mm-hmm. I didn't have nothing in writing. He said it. I had no reason to lie. But I found myself on the outside looking in. Because he changed his mind. Yeah. Or because he was going he because he was going with what some other people were thinking in regards of a coach who didn't want me on the squad, even though the owner promised me a new contract. But that's because his relationship with the coach was closer than his relationship with me. Yeah. I said, I, I, I said I, I'm, I'm truly pulling for us. I, I want something to come out of this. And I said, but, but listen to Emmanuel and Marcellus speak on it. Like I said, it just really opened my, my eyes. And I really hope you, you know, hopefully get a chance, you know, sometime this week. YouTube, and I'm telling you, man, like I said, if you just sit back and listen, especially from Marcellus' side and stay objective to it, he made some strong points that just made me go, damn, that's that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, in some ways, if you if you think about it, based off the things that I just you know named off to you, that basically Flores doesn't necessarily have a strong case in his, in his uh you know again you no know, the supporting. He almost comes off as just somebody who just acted emotionally. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, you got mad because you got fired. Frankly, you have a right to be mad, but you come to this length to come with a lawsuit, 58-page lawsuit, and you're basing it off of somebody looking drunk, a text message, and a he said, he said situation. That's hard to support, man. Well, I said, hopefully, I said, hopefully there's a receipt. And then you know, his last resort doesn't receive a double check, but those other two, it, it's kind of like a done deal, man. I don't see, I don't see how you can win that one. And what this is is also it's a class action lawsuit, meaning other coaches can jump in on this, which is what's right. important. So if anybody else got any of their other stories, it can be easily added too. Well, Hugh Jackson tried, but here we go again. I mean, when Hugh Jackson came out and said it, I'll just go ahead and say this. When Hugh Jackson came out and said it, honestly, I didn't think it helped. Because my thing was this, why now? Why didn't you say something at the time? Because if he did, he would be guaranteed not to have another job, which I think Flores is done. 
It's well, I mean, you, you probably, have, he's putting his probably, career on the line. So if you probably, either I mean, gotta suck it up or you don't. And if he wants well, to continue I mean, the coach, he has to. But I mean, but therein lies, but 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 here we go again though. But here and therein lies once again, where's your proof? That's why it bothered me because it's just like, oh, that happened to me too in Cleveland. Do you have any proof? No. Cleveland came out right away and said, these are all lies. Jackson doesn't have anything in writing. He's just saying, like, this is what happened when I was there. But I said, but we're talking about the court of law. Well, you have to prove it. You got to show it. See, now, this is, and I, I know this is not, not equivalent exchange, but this is the same thing when, like, a woman is being abused or something like that. They may not have the proof to be able, like, yo, this person did this or did that. You know, you just got, sometimes you got to take people at face value and know that there are some lying MFers out there in the world. But we, but and, we're and talking then about if, different... if you have enough, like it's with Deshaun Watson, we don't have the proof that he was molesting these women, but the fact that 23 of them came out, there's some smoke where there's fire. Well, is there? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, right now what we're talking about are two different courts. It is two different courts. There's, there's, there's a court of law and the court of public opinion. Now, see here lately, the court of public opinion has had a lot of has has had a lot of swing lately. Look at the Black Lives Matter movements, George Floyd. Now, black men been getting pil- killed by the police long before George Floyd ever went down. Mm-hmm. But something about what went down with George Floyd said it was tragic what happened to that brother. But it was nothing new to, to us as black people. That wasn't new. Right. That could have easily been you or me. Correct. But it began a, a motion in the court of public opinion. Granted, there were, there were protests, mostly peaceful. You had some jackasses who just went out there to just start stuff. But the fact of the matter, in the court of public opinion, you saw what happened. How many times have we looked at trials where it was somebody that looked like us? Some, the, the, one of us ended up dead by the hands of the police. And how many times have we sat there and said, well, it's not like there's something going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. A lot of us looked at the George Ford trial just sitting there saying like, oh, there was a lot of people that doubted that those cops were even going to be held accountable. Yeah. But you look at the court of public opinion. And I think without the protest, and obviously without that cell phone video, if there was never no cell phone video, those cops yeah. would be free. It's over. Yep. Because even the report, right. like the police report, they lied. Right. So, and that's and that's, my, that's what I'm saying. The court of public opinion holds a lot of weight, has a lot of swing. But we still need a little, we still need some proof to back us up. Now, the proof we have in the court of public opinion is the NFL doesn't have a lot of black coaches. There used to be eight. Now we're down to one. That's just fact. And in the court of public opinion, yes, we want to see more black head coaches. But the proof is also these owners who own these teams have the right to run these teams how they see fit. Following a rule that was instituted by the Roonies in terms of, you know, you're supposed to interview a minority candidate for that very position. And in most cases, we can sit up here and say with our own minds and our own mouths that we feel like 
You just basically do it just so you can basically say you followed the rule. But we can't physically prove it because they have the right to choose whoever they want. But like what a lot of people say, you know what would help? If more people would speak out. If your Tom Brady's would speak out, especially your, your bigger stars, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. And even more black athletes in the NFL would speak out more. What's his name? The place for a cornerback for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Tyron Matthew? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, <laughs> when I heard him uh, at the Pro Bowl, I was like, well, this is the first dude I've heard in a while who spoke on the, I think if at all, and spoke on the Brian Flores situation and just kept it 100. But here's the thing about like him speaking out, it don't matter what he say. They need, uh, that's what, you need the uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's. You, need, you don't exactly. need anybody black to speak in on, on this whatsoever. Oh no, we, we still do. We still do. In terms of what who needs to be saying it to like the, the owners, they don't care. If, well, I mean, they care. But I mean it's but it's but it's but it's, but it's not I think from, from a black standpoint, it's still important that we speak up. Yeah, because I'm, it's, I'm with it. it's just it's just like what my issue with Antonio Brown. Outside of the fact that he just acted like a jackass for the last few years. But like I said, what he did to Mike Tomlin, the disrespect he showed that dude mm-hmm. as one black man to another, it just goes to show you that what happens like when some of us make it, you know, come on a come up, you get to see your true colors. I don't see for, because I have so much respect for Coach Tomlin. I wish I could have played for Coach Tomlin. Coach Tomlin would have made me play football because I had that much respect for him because he just seems like he's a straight up man. He's a man of his word. And that's the kind of man I respect. But being a black man who's played for other black men, you know, it's not something that I ever took for granted. But if I was in the NFL, Antonio Brown, you were taking the consideration the fact that you have a coach who's in a position that could easily, if he coached anywhere else, be taken away from by the drop of a hat. But yet you do this kind of stuff to him. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's why I still feel it's important that black players not only speak up in support of having black coaches, but at the same time realize the power that you have. And that's that's really the challenge of who's really willing to put their money where their mouth is. Literally. The league is majority black. Yep. The stars are majority black. Yep. Who's really willing to take that risk? And say, like, I want to see change. And you know how you see change? Protest. Step away. Yeah. One I'm, person did, I'm not, and it cost him his career. So that's why they ain't doing it. Well, I mean, well, I mean well, that's, but that's, but that's, my, that's what I'm saying, though. And I'm saying that from the Black perspective. Yeah. There's things that you that you could help if you're really serious about it. And I'm not saying that you know, by only speaking about it, they're not serious. But I'm just saying, but to what length are you willing to go to really want to see that change? Because when you look at it on its face value, you already know it's an uphill climb. It's been an uphill climb, even with the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. So imagine what it was when there ever was a Rooney rule. Like, what yeah. are you really, really willing to do to try to make that change come? But that's a huge ass. And what Brian Flores did, I respect. Like I said, I, I'm in his corner. I hope he, I hope something comes of this. I really do. 
Oh yeah, it's gonna this man, something is gonna this come man, up because he's sprung with their money. Well, hey, one word or the other. And let's say and this man's basically putting his career, his livelihood on the line. Oh, he's never gonna coach again. <laughs> it's over. You don't think so? Nope. We, Plus, we, I mean, we I, already have a case study in this. His name is Colin. I, I I'm I'm just I'm just holding out. I said, I'm just I'm just trying to hope it's it, I'm just hoping for the best. I mean, because the one I'm, I know what you're saying with Colin, but I think in in this regard, it's just this. I mean, just it's more or less you just speaking out. Now, Colin was protesting on the field by taking the knee and it made everybody go crazy, like get a life. But this man basically stating the obvious fact. If anything else, the owners, I would think. You know, you either, I mean, you didn't become a billionaire for nothing. You're smart. How would it look that this man who spoke out on something that you already know yourself, you just don't like talking about it. This league doesn't have a lot of black coaches. Those owners know that. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the right to hire who they want. But they choose not to hire this man or even interview him. How would that make them look? They're only supporting Flores' case. Now, the question would then become, will Flores even take the interview? Yeah, he's taking interviews while this, uh, while he's been, in, since the lawsuit. Well, I, know he, I, I know he still had two more. I know he still had two more. Yeah, two more interviews. Because I know the job that the, they thought he might get, the one with the Texans, I think they're saying they're getting ready to hire Lovey Smith. And with all due respect, I wouldn't want Flores to go to Houston. The Houston Texans are a... I can are, are, guarantee are the fire. if they hire Lovey Smith, he is gone within a year. They they really want um, – I forget what the quarterback is, but they're just scared to pull the trigger. This is why well, they I mean, hired the dude last year. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I understand why Lovey Smith would take it because, I mean, again, it's an opportunity. He wants to but, I mean, I feel, I, I, Obviously, I mean, like anyone would. You know, but I would feel bad because that dumps the fire in Houston. I mean, I forgot already uh, the name of that old, the former coach in Houston who just got fired. Yeah, the two. Who, who just fired? Who justifiably should have been fired? No, they they knew the position that they put him in when they hired him. The moment they hired him, they knew the position that they were putting him into. It was a lose lose situation. We spoke about it in the, in one of our episodes. Hold on, I gotta find that name. Because it's gonna bother me. <clears throat> yeah, David Cully. Yeah, Cully. Yeah, it was David Cully. It was in a lose lose situation. Deshaun Watson wasn't coming back to play for the Texans, and it had nothing to do with David Cully. It had to do with the organization itself. And he told Cully that himself, but Cully just basically played. No, he just played his role, man. Because an opportunity that this man, I'm sure, has been waiting for for a long time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you basically, you know, sent this man <laughs> into a gunfight with a knife. And won the and same amount of games they won the previous year with Deshaun with Watson. And with a coach, y'all gave repeated opportunities to. Mm-hmm. So, so, like I said, I mean, just I'm holding on hopes of hopes that Brian Flores not only will get an interview, but he'll get another opportunity to coach the NFL. Because if anything else, and I'm sure Brian Flores will be willing to make the sacrifice, it'll be unfortunate if he does, but I'm sure he'll be willing to make it 
it will only support his point. Unlike Colin Kaepernick to a certain degree, but more so for him to say, there already weren't any black coaches. I spoke up about it and none of y'all wanted to hire me. You're hiring coaches who don't have experience like I do based on my resume and giving them an opportunity. Why couldn't I get one? What other reason outside of what I said would be the reason you don't want to hire me? There are plenty of coaches out there who never won a Super Bowl, let alone a playoff game, let alone a winning record. Right. They don't have the credentials for us. So, I mean, he, he may have to sacrifice maybe a year or two, but I truly believe that one day Flores will get his opportunity back. But in the meantime, again, I'm just, I'm holding out hope of hope. That something's going to come out of this. It may not mean him coaching. If he does, great. But something hopefully will come out of this. But I said, but Houston Texans hiring Lovey Smith, you can't tell me that's not just a PR move. Oh, 100% is. It's a PR move. I'm happy for him, but. Yeah, I am too. But at the same time, if I was Lovey Smith, man, look, I'm calling David Cully ASAP. Make sure them and, years is guaranteed. <laughs> or I mean, not, or not, not even just that. I mean, um, I wish he give David Cully a spot on his uh, right. coaching staff. Because I said, that, that, that man didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that. No different than, plus, if Flores necessarily deserved to be fired from the Miami Dolphins. But on the Miami side, like I said, it makes a little more sense to me because of the fact, like I said again, if the GM and Flores didn't get along, and it came down to it, and Ross just had to make a decision, he made his decision. That's just being a boss. <laughs> he has the power to do so. And he made his choice. He stuck with the GM, who just also happened to be black. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, not a ra- that's not a racist move. That's just business. Hard business. Yeah. But you got anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? I'm good, brother. All right. Go ahead and drop your socials, man. Yes, sir. As always, on Twitter, I am at the MCG ODS David IVA at the Mika Diver on Twitter. All right. I am at J A Y S U G G at J Sug on the Twitter as well. And until the next time, we out.